This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know. This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, I know that I know. Alright everyone, welcome back. This is the Solve for Why vlogcast, episode number 17, season number two. Of course, it is myself, Christian Soto, aka Chin I Am, with my main man, Matt Big Bet Berkey. They call me the Chin I Am. Do they? Yeah. You do know, they or do you? Nah, they call me Chin. Now, I'm at Bellagio and now the floor calls me Chin. Mm. My name is Chin. Sometimes they get it wrong and it says Chen and I get mad. Like mm. cheat, like C H E N. Right. But that's when I know that, that I don't tip that for. Sure. I just, it's like, you don't know me. I don't know you. You know, and that's it. Big man Sh- about town, huh? Nah, I'm a big man about respect, Bert. You know, uh, like, yeah. know my name. Mm-hmm. Like, when I call in and I say Chin, you know, it's Chin. Why are you, why are you here, Chen? You know? You know, they're, they're getting paid minimum wage, man. Yeah. Well, don't you want to get paid a little more when I throw <laughs> you that extra 20 when I get there? Uh huh. You uh-huh. know? Shout out, shout out to, uh, you know, lady got me a box today through mm. her 22. I remember when I got my first box at Bellagio. It's tough to get a box in there, man. I'll tell you, bro, they were like, they scan how many hours I played. They were like, are you going to be a seasonal player? Like, they were yeah. asking as if I'm going to go back to the winning shit. Like, <laughs> Well, you are. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, I got my first box in 2010 after my deep run in the main event. And, then, and it wasn't even in the poker room. It was on the casino floor. So I had to walk my ass to the main cage every time I wanted to get chips. Wow. Not I actually it was probably a good thing. But you probably gives you a chance to cool off. Yeah. But those are probably big player, uh like but you have to be a big player to get a box over there, no? No, I, I think that they just, you know, were full in the poker room and they had access. I also remember the day they closed my box. Hmm. It was like mid two thousand twelve. I hadn't been around for a few months. <laughs> yeah, she told me she's like, Oh, every six months, uh Yeah. We drill the box. Yeah, you go broke. They drill that shit. <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy. All right, so we're back. This week's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit slow news week in comparison to last week. Last week was just straight fire. Like everyone was just like, "We're gonna kill everyone. We're gonna kill Apostle. We're gonna kill JFK. We're gonna like." I was like, "Bro, what's going on? We're gonna we're gonna kill Fedor, that cheater." Like I was like, I couldn't even I couldn't even move, man. I was like watching my back and shit. Maybe someone's coming after me. You know what we did what as we, a community? What? Lifted the rug. Got a nice little sweep under it. Why is it like it that, down. man? It's crazy. No one cares. No one cares, man. Like, I mean, you know, whatever. The JFK thing, uh, wheels are in motion to get the data, and he's suddenly just gone silent. Mm. Seems smart. Smart. I mean, smarter than the probably got three a, days of him popping off. He was on, on a bender. Yeah, who knows what the fuck was going on there. You think his, his lawyer called him? I don't know if he has a lawyer, but I'm sure somebody said, like, stop being an idiot. Um, Maybe the documentary producer. Who knows? Maybe it was like a plan. Maybe it was just like, yo, go crazy. See if like. So I, Veronica said that she might get served this week. She does. She does. I mean, the community has her back in some regard. It's going to suck because I don't know what that entails. Um, You know, I, I don't think slander gets thrown out of a court quite as easily as cheating scandals, which is kind of ironic. But You would go to bat for Veronica? I mean, we're going to have data. But like, you, you would have her back? Yeah. If she robbed the bank, you would have her back? No. 
<laughs> I just want to make sure where we stand. Bro. She didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> there was a lot of comments on this robbing the bank thing. Like a lot of people were like, yo, yeah, you're going to be my friend. Don't rob any fucking banks. That's not that hard. I need you know? to know where the line is. Be a reasonable human being. What would be the line for you, Berg? Like, what, like, what's the line? Like, let, let's set morally the line. gray areas, not like lawfully gray areas. It's not. It's not even gray. That's black and white. Like, you don't rob banks. Because I feel like I tell you a lot of things, and I say like, keep it between us. But like, if I tell you like, rob a bank, keep it between us. You're not gonna keep it between us. I don't us. want that secret, man. Don't tell me. I don't want the burden. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Okay, so okay, so she gets. She's likely to get served this week. Okay. I mean, there's going to be a little, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know what the procedure is after that. I don't either. But, I mean, for her sake, uh, it kind of has to become a big news story. Mm. Because she's going to need some sort of help fighting the case. Uh, and, you know, it's just like, it's set such a really pa- bad... Set up the Patreon account, the GoFundMe account. I don't know if that's what it's going to take or not. But, like, you know, whether it's uh, the community proving her innocence or you know, helping her financially, whatever the case may be, like she'll definitely, she's, de- she definitely can't go at this alone. Let's mm. put it that way. Like she's not going to be able to get a hold of all the data herself. She's not going to be able to demonstrate that she's not wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I just think it would set a pretty poor precedent if she were held liable for slander uh, or defaming the character of stones and or JFK. This is a business that we all trust to put on a fair game and that game is being ran by this manager that the business trusts to ensure that it's a fair game. And we as a collective community are pretty confident that that trust was breached. So if we can't speak up about it. Then what are we supposed to do? Just shut yeah, up? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, this is the problem. I spoke about this a little bit on, um, I'm going to butcher his last name, but Robbie Straczynski's uh, podcast, The Orbit, where I was basically saying like, you know, the problem with self-policing is that even in the instances where we're all in alignment behind something, the action just isn't there. And in this particular instance, there was really no action to take other than publicly yeah. alerting people. Yeah, right? for sure. And if that falls under the the category of defamation or uh, slander. Like how are we supposed to protect ourselves? Right, right. We're just kind of like rendered useless. We would have had to like quietly gather the data and then present it and say they're cheating or like I don't know if that matters. Say, I don't know if that would it. matter. Right. Like because think if, 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 if what you're saying is true, then that can still happen retroactively to clear Veronica's name. Yes. Right. Right. So like, I don't know that that's necessarily true, particularly because the court wasn't willing to hear a cheating case. So I don't know. I don't know anything about the law when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like I'm, I'm certainly not. Especially Cali law. Like it's like, yeah, I'm definitely not the authority here. Uh, it just seems that, I don't know. I mean, there is a little bit of a of, of a gray line here. I, honestly, like, I feel like, I don't know. This is going to get very touchy. But it's just like we do live in a very cancel culture type of uh, social sphere these days. And there's a lot of he said, she said going on. Mm. You know, this is obviously far less egregious than uh, a girl claiming rape or something along those lines. But uh, I don't know where where it starts and ends, right? Because you can look at it from both perspectives. It's like if we, if we silence victims, then these bad acts continually perper- uh, perpetrate. Con- perpetrate. 
But if we no, we got him. We got him. We got. Him. We gave Berkey the word this time. Shit. Go ahead. I, I tripped up a little. <laughs> uh, but if we if we allow the victims to come forward, and they're wrong, and then we somehow retroactively hold them accountable for slander or or defamation, then like. It just it's can't a very, talk. Yeah, it's just a very slippery slope. It's like, I'm not sure where the line is drawn, right? Yeah, it's like, man. when you come forward, come forward with facts, great. But what if the law kind of said, and again, I don't know, so I'm not mm. speaking the truth here, but what if the law says truth isn't good enough, you have to come forward with evidence? Yeah, I mean, is she supposed to gather all this evidence right, like, by like, herself without telling anybody? Like, yeah, now it's a problem. Like, what if you can't prove that you were cheated? What if you can't prove that you were raped? What if you can't prove these types of things beyond a shadow of a doubt? Like... And that's they, not how the legal system should work. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I think if they do serve her, like the community is so outraged that I think that everyone will be happily chipping in, whether financially or in other ways of like, of of how to like. I'm con- I'm confident that for the community's sake, her going to court is a good event, but for her sake, I don't think it's a positive. I mean, you know, this litigation just gets dragged out for a long period of time. Nothing good really comes from it because, like, she's the one uh, being accused now. So she has to prove her innocence. And the best outcome is is that she's she's absolved of everything and has a huge lawyer fee to pay. Yeah. That's the best case, right? Well, the other case, there was some other uh, talk where if she does get served, then there's like some level of like discovery that has to happen. Yeah. And that, and that might actually help in terms of like proving. That's why I said it's good for the community. Right. Because from the community standpoint, this is our chance to get back into court, even if it's not for those particular offenses, Uh, our evidence will still be seen and heard, which is from the community element, very important. Right. We, I, I don't think anybody cares at this point to like have, Apostle found guilty of cheating, have JFK found guilty of harboring or anything like that because it doesn't matter, Mm. right? The retribution is zero. He's broke. So whether the law finds him guilty or just the court of public opinion, the outcome is the exact same. But there is some, there is some like, okay, well, there is some punishment for you actually cheating. Like that, there is some. He's serving that punishment anyway. The only difference is, is that we get to actually stand on our moral high ground. And say we were right all along, yeah, unequivocally, as seen or or as demonstrated in a court of law. Right now, we're just saying statistically, we're very likely to be correct. Right, right, right. And those are two very different things. But it's definitely not worth Veronica getting dragged through the mud. Of course not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's out of our control. You guys like these topics, man? Uh, I I want people to subscribe to our channel. Like I'm tired of these. You know what pisses me off, Burke? Here we go. Listen, yesterday I'm chilling, you know, feet up, texting some girls on my phone, put on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Is this when you went on the six comment tirade on our channel? That guy's, that guy's a piece of shit. <laughs> but listen, um, I'm like chilling, right? Feet up, texting your shorties. And I'm like watching these random people that make poker content. Sure. 100,000 views. Yeah. And I'm like, yo. What are they talking about? Like, they're talking about the turn. Oh, and I raised to $10 and the guy called and the turn was an ace. And now I have to think about what to do. And I'm like, bro, 
Did they listen to the podcast where I broke down Ace Queen in 17 different formations? <laughs> like, what is going on here, man? Why don't they love us? That's what they do. I go to the Bellagio. Everybody's like, yo, Chen, what up? Take a photo with me, whatever. Then they don't show me no love on the subscription. No, they do. It's just a smaller subset, right? Like, we have a niche product. The vlogs and the hand history reviews and stuff like that, that's what the masses want. Mm. That's what they're they're getting in the search algorithm. Can you imagine if, like, man, if Tom Dwan had a podcast, like, I can only, like, I would be on that podcast. This is like you. Like, people look at you like they looked at Tom Dwan. No. But that aside, it just doesn't work that way. Not in today's modern era, right? Like, um, for example, uh, Run It Once also has a uh, a channel, right? Mm -hmm. And it's comparable to ours in size. Their views are like half of ours because they don't have the same level of loyalty and retention, right? And it'll grow, of course, because it has Galfon behind it, it has Jamie and Marley and all these big names. And that's great. And it's good for the community as a whole. But the point is, is that people don't follow entities, mm. right? Like I, I said from the beginning, the biggest mistake I made was starting the channel under Solve for Y instead of my name. Like people follow names way more. It's what Doug did really well. He didn't. He made an upswing channel. It has 25,000 followers yeah. just like us, right? But Doug Polk has a quarter million because people align themselves with a, with a character. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. Um, yeah, I mean, it's weird. We don't know what moves the needle, right? So uh, I'm going to reference it again, but I just did that, that podcast, The Orbit, with uh, Robbie as the host. And I keep referencing it because I think it's a really great format. But the, the more important thing is uh, Gelfon retweeted it Said he loved it and said it was a must watch, right? I looked, it had 200 views. That's crazy. So that means of 200 people who watched this show, Galfond was one of them, right? So it's, it's weird, right? Because you would think anything that has a low view count would never have a high quality viewer. It's just unlikely, right? Right. Uh, but it's the opposite, right? So it's, it's just like different strokes for different folks kind of thing. Like we just don't know. We try to cover all the bases. It's it's very hard. And, uh, you know, I think, like, if we cared that much, we would individually start vlogs, individually start our own channels, see what the growth metrics look like by comparison. Y'all want me to start my own channel out there? That shit might be out of line. Yeah, we had a vlog <laughs> once. You didn't do much fucking recording. I mean, I'm not a... I'm, I'm, an, I'm a doer, Okay. Like you gotta catch no, me. No, no, you're not. You gotta catch me in the act. That's the thing. You weren't a doer. No, I'm not a do. Like I'm, I am doing the action. Okay, I'm not doing the recording of the action. Uh, you see what I'm saying? So you want a, you want a full blown film crew to uh, follow just, you around? Just one dude in the back, like just like yo, what up? Right. So we're 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 hiring a cameraman. Talk to us about this art behind you. I feel like it's kind of nice. It's uh, it's. This was, was a live at the bike game. It was the big game part three, I guess, or whatever the fuck they called it. Million dollar cash game. Yeah. Million part dollar three. cash game. So let's look at it. So this is, uh, there's Art Papazian. There's John Sin. There's Oscar. There is G-Man. Berkey, G-Man. I don't know who's in seat. Did nine. you just call me G-Man and G-Man me? No, Matt Berkey and G-Man. No, G-Man's first. Yeah, well, you were blocking him from this angle. It's so Dan Smith in seat nine. Oh, yeah, Dan and Smith. And then Dan Zach in seat one. Bill Klein. That was a pretty legendary table right there. This was nice. It was a tough one. My man, Dennis Blyden popping Dennis off. Dennis Blyden out there, you know. He's R. doing. R. 
he's doing his thing out there, you know, and the <laughs> dude, it's time. Yeah. Well, you know, doing his time for some some stuff with Bitcoin and whatever. Uh okay. So tell tell me. So this is like kind of like a digital art thing. It's it's picking up. I think I spoke to you a little bit about the digital art wave. I don't know shit about shit. I just know we have a great fan in um Brett over at pokerpaint.com. And uh <laughs> you guys might remember him. He played the Brigada Winter Open, I think, like two years ago, wearing a pizza costume. Yeah. With our patch on. That's cool though. Yeah. Uh, so he's been following ever since finally got this company off the ground, sent us a few pieces of artwork, thought I'd put one up. I feel like he didn't do one for me though. I feel like it's kind of fucked up. Like, yeah, this, like I could have one, like me, Jennifer Harmon, she sucks out of me. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Sure. Maybe he's hearing this now and he makes it for me. And then next week, maybe I'll have it in the background. But now that you did Berkey's first, I might not put it up. I might make you wait a week or two. Mm-hmm. Same as I do with the shorties. Right. Right. All right. So I've been at, uh, I've been at Bellagio. This week. Yeah, I don't see any threads. It's been fucking annoying, bro. I don't see any threads. Nah, I was, I was not threading. I was not threading. Same okay. guy, win or lose. Listen, I was fucking annoyed because I've lost four sessions in a row. Wow. Wow. Lost 500 bucks. Are you going to be okay? And 700 bucks. Then I actually won one for 300. Mm-hmm. But I don't count that because that's like, you know, that's like date money. Uh, right. So the next one, I lost like. 300 and then today i lost like 1200 wow so you're down 2400 dollars. yeah 2.4 buy-ins if you want to count it like that yeah those <laughs> 2.4 buy-in downswings are fucking real man are you gonna be all right dude i feel like i feel like it's not real like it's what's going on <laughs> you know like what is going on like how do you live with yourself you know what i was thinking about today how many losing sessions I've had in my career? Like total. Like I don't think it's that that much. Sure. Sure. Like you think it's you think you've had more or less than 200 losing sessions in your career? Like Way live more. live poker sessions. Way more. How many sessions do you think I've played? I've probably played 2000 sessions. Yeah. But like, you think I only lose you're batting like 900, Burke. Are you drunk? <laughs> you're a sick poker player. What the fuck is the matter with you? <laughs> I feel like I've, I'm batting like, like 75% probably. That's not sustainable. Honestly, like, I, I don't know what's the matter with you. I don't know how you do this. Burke, to I told yourself. you people are calling me with the 5 4 off. Like, the, like, you're printing. Like, you're just printing money. In oh, are you just immune to variants? You, you want to know what would be nice here? Tell me, tell if me. you had actually tracked your stats throughout your career, we could go back and look at this. We could see how often you win and lose and what your hourly is and things of that nature. Yeah. You so, just didn't do that for like the first half of your career. Yeah, but I, I know I was winning. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's like at the end of the month, I have more money than the last month by a lot. <laughs> just keep winning. Sure. No, but okay. Anyway. No, I've been like in a weird mood, like mostly because... I don't know. Like, I was like, am I downswinging or is this is just annoying? Like, you should lose this amount of money in an orbit. What are you talking no, about? Downswing. It. Okay, this is what it is. Like, it's not downswing, obviously, because it's obviously super small numbers and it doesn't really matter. I'm just like kind of talking shit because I'm annoyed. But like, honestly, right? Because I, like, it's my thing for me is like, I like to blunt downswings quick because like, I feel like they can actually spiral quick how, if you start playing worse. How exactly 
Are you able to dampen a downswing? I don't know. This is what I'm talking about. Like, what I feel- magical power do you possess? <laughs> Stop talking just- like that, bro. Because it's insane. <laughs> You're talking about taking control over things that you have zero control over. Well, I feel like some of it can be like you can tilt if you start thinking. Okay, fine. Yeah. You yeah. Mentally falter. Like today. Okay. I had kings, right? Like, obviously, I'm complaining because it just happened. Mm-hmm. But okay. Like, I have kings. I open the cutoff. Kid from Pakistan literally doesn't speak English. Calls me on the button. Four, four, deuce. I'm like, Yahtzee, got his ass. Right? So then I I bet I'm supposed to bet big because theoretically, like, I'm uncapped here. And, like, if he continues, he has a lot of middle pocket pairs, ace high, that float, whatever. Right? I'm sitting there with, like, all these fucking, like, the matrix is going on mm-hmm. in my head. And I'm like, oh, my God. Four, four, deuce. I got kings. And he's just going to go bet, big bet, whatever. So I bet, right? Boom. Got him. With like the B75, got him, right? Turn five. I'm like, ooh, that's kind of a bad card for my range. Like some of his ace highs improved. Like I'm supposed to be checking here. Sometimes I check, right? Boom, got him. So like I check and then he's like, oh, B80. I'm like, oh shit. Like this kid like repping like kind of polarized, but like he could bet eights or whatever trying to get me off ace king, right? Boom, call, right? Got him. Nine. I'm like, yes. Check. He's like, B like 80. And I'm like, all right, call. He's like five, four off. And I'm just sitting there. And I'm just like, like the pro that I am, I don't really say anything, mm-hmm. right? Then the VIP on my right is like, you want to do a hundred blind? And I just got fucking wrecked. Yeah. So I do the hundred blind, right? I lose. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. And then like VIP straddles, like restraddle. And I'm like, restraddle. I'm just getting fucking pummeled. Then the fucking Nick kid picks up Ace King suited, you know? Sure. Wins the big pot. And I'm there like, yeah, you know, it's nice, you know? Crazy when it doesn't always go your way. And it's like, do you ever just get annoyed? Yeah, all the fucking time. But God, I hope I don't sound like this. You sound like this, but like not like I'm real, okay? Like the people here listening, they can relate to me. Do you know how many zeros it takes for me to be as annoyed as you are right now? I'm just annoyed because it just happened. And then I had to leave there stuck balls, right? Meanwhile, all the fucking nits are winning money because I am like providing sure. and a nice atmosphere. Yeah, yeah right? sure, sure. You know how many double straddles I did today? I, I think you'll be okay. I mean, I'm going to be fine, Bert. I think you're going to be okay. Like, okay, so you know what else what happened? I feel like you owe me some money for listening to this bad beat story. It's not a bad beat. Whatever, man. Like, it's not even a bad beat. I, I was dead on the flop. <laughs> I was not a bad beat. Two outs. <laughs> Um, anyway, whatever. So yeah, whatever. So I was annoyed. Um, I feel like we learned a lot about his betting strategies with this hand. Yeah. I mean, when he has a good hand, he just bombs. Bet you're not seeing too many bluffs at that size. Yeah. But I was like beating value hands. He could just have like tens. Good. Good. Maybe. Although he he flatted the five, four off. Maybe he three bets the tens. This kid doesn't three bet, man. Yeah, I guess not. They don't three bet. If you're going to three bet, you three bet five, four off. That's true. Okay. So. I do want to talk about some things, though, because part of the reason why I was annoyed, honestly, it's not even like the money. It's more that like I feel like I provide a nice environment and I have to like I take a lot of L's for the for the team. Your definition of an L is so small, so small. Like you worked really hard to get significantly better than the pool and you give them back a fucking crumb and feel like you've just adorn them with riches galore bro when i double listen listen 
because they all the regs have my number, right? They all have my phone number, right? And then the, the VIP straddles, right, for like 20. And then I make it 40 because they're like, oh, you know, do it, do it, whatever. I put a 40 up there, right? I get a text message like, you just put up eight big blinds. You know, how many big blinds an hour are you making in this game? You should have. And I, and I have, to, and honestly, I'm there like, okay. It's only I'm, four big blinds, first of all. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Four big blinds, whatever. Um, and you're not losing four big blinds. because Correct, because I close the action. I can do some shit. You know, I could three bet them with this 10-7 suited. So, so that's just not how poker works. No one's losing four big blinds there. Right. But, you know, they view it as like, you're putting up four big blinds. Dark, uh-huh. Uh-huh. right? All right, so that happened. I get the text message for that, right? Then I told you about a spot where like the, you know. Your the, response to all of these texts should be lose my number. I try to be a nice guy, right? So that is being nice. <laughs> I can think of far <laughs> better things to listen, say. Listen, so then I have to explain to them that like it's a long play. Like it's like, okay, like person, I'm, I'm here to provide this person. It's fucking 7 a.m. This person could just go to sleep. Sure. Right? Okay. Whatever. Happy with me, obviously. Then I see a pot where like, I'm out the river and this person's like directly to my right. And like I check, right? And they check. And they're like, you win. And I show and I have a pair, right? And then this person, the the board's a four flush, Mm -hmm. right? This person like shows to me only. And I see that they have a straight and they muck it, right? And I'm like, I'm like, you win. And but it was too late. Like it was gone, right? So I'm like, here, take half of it, right? The pot's like 80 bucks or something. I get another text message. I would never do that. Like, and I'm like, like poker is about like paying attention and capitalizing on people's mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was mad. That's when I started, (laughs) that's when I started texting you. Like, I can't, like, I just don't understand. I am stuck and this net is winning and I'm providing yeah. And he's capitalizing on my money. Yeah. On my my thing. But right? so small. So so but very, that, very small. Th- okay, but like talk to me. Okay. Talk to me as like, okay, you're 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 my OG, right? Okay. What am I supposed to tell these people? Because they're not wrong. Nothing. Tell them nothing. Let them keep well, uh, that's not true. You would like to change the environment, of course. Um tell them that's why they'll never play in a private game. Mm. Right? No one likes a fucking chiseler. But also, like, that's the best forty dollars you'll ever spend. Yeah. It's not even close. Like now this VIP wants to play with you, recognizes that you play a gentleman's game instead of, you know, a cutthroat one. That that loosens them up. That makes them feel more comfortable to gamble. Yeah. That's what it's all about, right? What do, what do you think the bigger edge is here? That extra two big blinds that you gave away or having this person losing a potential extra two to 10 big blinds in any one given spot versus you because they feel comfortable that you're not going to skin them. Yeah, so that's really why I was tilted today. It was like, yeah, I'm stuck, but like, like I don't understand how people don't see it. You know, it's like, okay, like clearly I'm gonna give them back. Like, also I'm gonna restraddle. Like, also I'm gonna like laugh and actually say something while these people are just like sitting like this and like, you know, telling me like, Jin, I respect your, I respect you, but why are you doing that? <laughs> and I'm like, yo, what is going on? Like. The game is just too big for everybody, man. If they were in their home game with their buddies from college playing right, right. 10 cent, 25 cent, I bet there'd be a little bit more action. That's probably fair, too. It's like they're thinking like, oh, maybe I'm sitting here with like 30K to my name. Like, Yeah, when you're really- only making six blinds per hundred, 
or I, I guess, you know, in this instance per hour or whatever, you, you can't afford to just be giving up small edges. <laughs> you can't afford to give back that four big blinds. Right, especially, especially when like, you know, six big blinds is probably above average for winners in that game. Wow, that would be it. I mean, maybe. I mean, yeah, it's a it cap five ten. Obviously, yeah. like you guys go north a lot and and restructure it a bunch. But like in a capped five ten of you know one hundred and fifty big blinds or less, where the pool is nitty mm-hmm. and seemingly slightly underrolled, yeah, six, six big blinds pretty, is probably pretty good. Yeah, they're probably making those same players are probably making ten at two five. What do you? I don't want to ask this question. I was going to ask what do you think about going north, but I don't want to ask a question that's like clearly against the rules. And then it's so funny because uh, DJAF and I always, always were the biggest stacks at tables, Mm -hmm. always throughout our entire career. But he played way more capped games than I did because he wasn't always in Vegas. He went from like Vegas to San Diego to LA to back to Vegas and yada, yada, yada. And I never went north in my entire life. Wow, really? That's I never crazy. had to. I just always played uncapped. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like five ten was just uncapped when I moved to Vegas. Oh wow. Okay. Uh and like two five, there was never really a need to go north because stacks were never that deep. Yeah. So like it just never even really crossed my mind to go north in spots. Um with the exception of like maybe a one off here and there yeah. where like I was out of town playing a cap game and I was really annoyed. Like going to Brigada and playing five ten used to drive me fucking. Oh man, insane. Yeah, it was fifteen hundred. Yeah. I think it might have been two K early in the Bergata days and then okay. it changed it. Um, but in any event, like it never really crossed my mind, but he talked about it all the time. And it's like, I, ch- I, I'm, I'm not a stickler for rules, especially if I think rules are arbitrary and unnecessary, but I am a stickler for like not taking unfair advantages. Um, and I think he's very similar. So just like hearing him talk about going North and knowing that like he provides so much loose action, right? It's like in any, in any one game, he may be anywhere between break even and like plus 15 big blinds per per hour. And it's like, if he wants to skew that in some way, shape or form by splashing one or two big blinds per hour Mm -hmm. back into the pool, but be North or or like go North because of it, only the weaker regs are going to complain. Yeah. You know, only the ones who are attributing so much to his win rate are really going to be bothered. And the fact of the matter is even that's not usually be the case because Oftentimes those players are just wrecks and they want to be deeper. They want to play bigger pots and they want to, you know, fire because they're playing small. Yeah. Like they're playing five ten capped. They probably would much rather be playing twenty five fifty uncapped, but the game's just not running. Let me ask you something. Uh now that we're in this kind of Bellagio talk, right? Bellagio ran his first private game this week. Okay. It was fifty hundred. Mm-hmm. No limit hold them. Mm-hmm. And for me specifically, I thought it was a pretty dangerous endeavor for Bellagio to run not private game. That's that, that's whatever. Just that small. But that small of a private game, knowing that their main highlight game that's known around the country is 10, 20, 40. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that is the, the, the marquee Bellagio no limit Holtham game known around all the United States, and now they're setting up a game that effectively is only one level up. Right. So I thought that was a little bit scary. I remember you telling me in the early Ivy Room days where it was like, listen, it doesn't affect anything because we're playing 300, 600. Nobody, like the stakes don't affect 
the environment. Right. Like even right. all the pros that were chomping at the bit that were like 10, 20, 40 regs or whatever that, you know, had money and could take shots. It was literally just that. Yeah. But it was just shots. They yeah. Had, they like, literally could have only just taken shots. Right. So it's like, you know, collectively they could have all pulled their money and had one horse in there permanently if, if he were allowed or individually, they all could have taken like sunrun shots and whichever one of them survived, survived. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, it was never uh, a big burden on the ecosystem because it wasn't like there was, you know, 25 to 100 players who would have been day in and day out regulars. But when you start talking about 50, 100, there are, you know, that pool is a direct overlap to 10, 20, 40. Yes. Um, and especially like the way that the 10, 20, 40 runs at Bellagio, where oftentimes it will turn into 20, 20 40, 80 or yeah. 40, 80, 160 or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I mean, Pads kind of spoke about this a little bit on the uh, Ben C B podcast where he was basically saying like, um, and he was using it as a bit of a defense for Fedor Cruz's uh, acceleration through the stakes. Um, but I did think he made a fair point where he was saying basically like when you reach that 2550 level, uh, and he referenced the Bellagio where it's, you know, 10, 20, 40. What, ha what ultimately happens is it's kind of a big stopping point because now there's a big financial barrier between that level and the next level, which is oftentimes going to be like 200, 400. Yeah, huge. Uh, and now there is no, there is no like, sorry, sorry to hear you. There's, there's, there's no, no scaling. There's no 50-100, like 100-200, 150-300, 200-400, like online would be. Right, like, and I actually think that that's kind of a good thing. Um, because what ultimately happens is it creates a lot of versatility at that 10, 20, 40 level where now the game is going to kind of play to its characters. Yes. And it will be bigger in some instances. It'll play smaller in some instances, but what it ultimately does is it creates a lot of health at that level of the ecosystem. Mm. And because the game's uncapped, there isn't a huge desperate need to progress people out of it. Right? So there isn't this massive need to say like, well, we need the best 5% of the 10, 20, 40 players to graduate to something else. Otherwise, they're just going to cannibalize the stake. Right. That's not really true, mm -hmm. right? Because there's enough players at that in that collective pool that um, I, I don't think the cannibalization process takes place. And also... And it's a famous game. That's That helps, the, yeah. the, you know? Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, there's enough like influx of of loose money right? Uh, where, where I don't think it matters. Uh, but lastly, like the most talented of the bunch will find a way to 200, 400. Yeah. And it should only be a tiny select few that make that graduation anyway. So I think that like, you know, the setup as it is, it's kind of great um, from an ecosystem standpoint because, uh, it, you know, if basically if 50, 100 existed, 100, 200, 200, 400, all these games existed, what it does is it dilutes all of the player pools between 2040 and 200, 400. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's problematic because now the weakest players do get eaten up and they constantly have to step back. But stepping back is a difficult process that a lot struggle with. So if you're losing at 100 or 200, you may not step back until you're only rolled to play like 510. Um, as is, you could still just do that, right? You could be a 10, 20, 40 player that maybe just like barely be getting his head above water at those stakes. And sometimes the game plays too big and you have to leave. Uh, sometimes the game plays smaller and you get to you grind it out, whatever the case that may be. That happens to me. That happens yeah. to me, yeah. But the stepping up and stepping back process is pretty fluid mm -hmm. because you're not so far removed from 510 that it's an ego shot or mm -hmm. even uh, an hourly shot to the point where like, you know, I've been playing way too big to waste my time now at 510. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like how I felt whenever I started playing the big game. It's like, you know, if my expected hourly in this game when we're playing 3612 
is somewhere in the neighborhood of like 5K. Even if even if I only if, have a piece of yeah. it. Uh, going back to 1020, it's like, I can just never make comparable money. Right. I should just focus on other streams of revenue for the rest of my life that may be passive or, you know, growing as a human, like basically invest my time away from playing poker into better endeavors than just like collecting short-term EV. For sure. So then what are, what are your thoughts on this? So the private thing is a problem, right? So if 102040 ever turned private, I think the entire ecosystem collapses. And that's kind of the fear whenever uh, Aria Bellagio set this precedent that they'll run 2550 plus for private, uh, which Aria has been doing it now for like 18 months. Right, 2550 with like, I've heard the rumor is like the 100 ante. Mm-hmm. That kind of lets it slide. And then now Bellagio. I mean, it's know, really just about paying rake, rake right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I love the Bellagio. I don't want to say. For what it's like, worth, they don't care. They're just renting their tables and their, and their staff. Well, this was this was a little bit weird, right? So there was 5,500 public and 5,500 private simultaneously next to each other. Yeah. That was like the first time I've ever seen that happen. There's only one real reason why that's extremely bad. Okay. Do you, do you have any guesses? I mean, I, I was in the, if I was in, if, if I was in the public game and I was not a pro, I would want to move to this game. Well, whether you want to or not, you'll get poached. Yeah. That's what the problem is, is it's just open poaching, right? So when these two games run simultaneously to one another and the public game gets a little bit better, the private game just kicks out their their, their lowest value customer and they just poach one from the other game, right? And that's super shitty because now it creates this whole secondary ecosystem that is lining the pockets of a select few. Mm-hmm. which are effectively cherry-picked based on who's able to orchestrate yes. the, the the creation of these games and whatnot. Um, but it's also particularly bad because you're, you're not going to see the simultaneous runnings of these games much beyond the poaching, right? So now it's just like public poaching. People have been kicked out of casinos for this. Yes. Walking in, poaching people Especially from 10, 20, 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, if they're concerned with protecting the health of their ecosystem for the same reason why they capped 510 in order to ensure that 1020 remains healthy, uh, this is very similar, right? Like if you want 102040 to to remain your staple game and what you're known for, you just simply can't run the next stake up privately. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it was like... At a zero, no one cares. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a big zero. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, like that's that's been the the precedent for the better part of a decade. It's yeah. only been within the last eighteen months that they've been reducing further and further and further the stakes that they're willing to run uh, with with a guarded list. Is it because other like the games have just moved to other places? So effectively, like we know, JRB has moved games potentially to to the win mm-hmm. allegedly and. Other people are running in houses now. Like, is it just like they want the business? So they just say like, fuck it, we'll do 50, 100? I'm not sure, honestly, because those games don't cater to JRB and VIPs. It only caters to people who are, you know, again, just chiselers. Sorry, I meant like, I understand because the games are not there. No, no, I understand. Are they just like taking on any bonding? Yeah, yeah, I understand. But what I'm getting at is that like they're cutting off their nose to spite their face in that instance, 
right? It's different if you're catering to a JRB type uh, that can bring you in big players who A, may gamble in your casino, but B, even if they don't, um, are playing high enough that you can justify a pretty sizable rake to the game. Um, But yeah, like these lower games, they're just not offering anything in return except for um, except for like a the, closed the, list. The pri- yeah, the, yeah, the closed list and the, and the space. Whereas like in the past when we were playing in Ivy's room and everything, we had full concierge, we had butlers, we had uh, you know free food from any anywhere on property. We were like really, really, really well taken care of, and obviously that was a big byproduct of Bobby Baldwin and mm. JRB's relationship with MGM. Um, but even still, it's like. There's a ton of value to Well, I'm sure the win is like you know I'm sure they are too. I have right, no idea. Right, right. Because but the reason behind that is because there's a ton of value in having that namesake game. Yes. Right? Yes. Knowing that the big game in town right. is running there. And that's what, you know, in my opinion, that's Bobby's, what Bobby's room, room is. Yeah, for mixed games. Right. It's like for mixed games, Bobby's room is like I always felt like Bobby's room and Ivy's room were just like always competing to be like the top, like I just always saw them as separate. One was mixed and one was no limit. Right, right, of course. But at the end of the day, they were both like the big rooms. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. this is where the big yeah. money moves, yeah, 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 you know? And now I'm just like, when I saw that, I'm like, man, like, is this what it's going to be? Like, 50, 100? Like, I'll play. Like, let me in, right? Yeah. Like, I was playing 50, 100 in the public game, and I was like, I'll gladly sit in the private game. Some of our friends were in those games. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, it's like, this is Bobby's room. Like, yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's it, it's it's a two-pronged conversation, right? Like, first and foremost, what is this going to do to the ecosystem? In my opinion, when you start doing it, those stakes and below, it causes it causes chaos for the ecosystem. I think that ultimately what happens is you dampen the, top, the upper level and you force pros to start stepping down, which then cannibalizes your customers, right? But it, let's say I'm wrong, right? Now we look at it from the secondary standpoint of like, what does this do for the aspiring professional? And I don't think there's an argument there. Like, I think the big problem is when these private games come up in the public sphere as a conversation, what happens is people argue one side or the other, um, but they they lump them together as if they're the same argument, right? So like, you'll see people talking about how much it damages the, the ecosystem in the same breath as when uh, Sean or somebody else is saying like, this is a, a skill set you need to acquire as a professional moving forward. Mm-hmm. They're both right. Yes. They're separate conversations, right? And that's that's kind of like what I'm getting at here is like we can have a long-form discussion about what this can potentially do to the poker ecosystem as far as cash games go. And I do think that it's probably very likely to be a big net negative, right? We can have a separate discussion as far as like what this does to the aspiring pro. And I'm 100% in agreement that like you need to do things Beyond being a chiseler, yes, that make you good for poker. Yes, right? I agree with that, and I've I've made that like my yearly goal. Yeah. Like my like my goal this year is like okay, I'm I'm, I'm good at poker, but I don't want to be known for being good at poker. I want to be known for being good to have yeah. around. And like you know, not to toot my own horn, but like a lot of like the people that are not pros at Bellagio right now really like playing with me. Yeah. You know, they're like they switch to my table. They're like I come in, they're like yo, what's up. Like whatever, and I'm like, and I know where they're from. I have their phone number. Like I know where they like to eat. Like whatever. Like I, I'm doing my job. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm, I'm a pro's pro. Well, so I'm, like, yeah, I think that that kind of really speaks to what I'm talking about. It's like, at the end of the day, this game is very difficult and it's very, very hard to make an above average living at. Mm. So 
those who are aspiring to do so only want to be focused on getting really good at the game. Right. And that's a big problem. And we could even have that secondary conversation as far as like, well, what does that do to the ecosystem? Right. That's, that's true. What if what what does training like a solver uh, and then entering the live realm do for the overall ecosystem where you're talking about something totally different than online? Online is just a sheer volume game where it's all about making rapid decisions as close to optimally as possible and getting a return. Nobody ever sees anybody. Nobody ever feels anything. Uh, you know, the, the the basically the the law of large numbers comes through and whoever is operating at the best side of uh, skill wins, yeah. right? But live is totally different. It's a social game, 100% social. The volume is stripped away. You're forced into very, very deep decisions that are one-offs, right? Yes. They're it's all, just they're all one one-off after another over and over and over again. And now when we're talking about exploring that, rising through the ranks and getting to the pinnacle isn't strictly just about being great at poker. That's true. Yeah, it's necessary. You can't be bad at poker. Right. And sure, some undeserving people will only be slightly average or above and get further along than they should. But you have to kind of look at it the same way you look at sport, right? Most players don't put in enough volume in their career for us to undeniably say that they're the greatest of all time or, right. or they rank in this list. There's always an right? argument. There's always an arrow. Always some subjectivity, yeah. right? Yeah. Poker's the exact same. There are going to be a lot of overachievers in sport because they do the little things right. And poker is the exact same. There are going to be a lot of people who earn way more money than their skill set deserves because they have a secondary set of skills that the vast majority of those who are just incredibly good and studied this game don't possess. Yes. So we have to explore that when we're talking about the live realm, right? What are some of those skills you think you like? So let's start naming them like psychology, like like some sort of like meta training, like kind of. I mean, I just think first and foremost, across the board, it's to be pleasurable at the table, right? Yeah. So so be affable in some way, shape, or form. Offer something to the environment. It's like going to a party and not being a wallflower, right? In some regards, that's what's happening. You're in a social setting where everybody is agreeing upon this uh, silly game mm. where we're going to trade money back and forth, right? Now, some people are there strictly to hammer out their hourly, and it's obvious. Yes. Very few people enjoy their company yeah very few people are like fist pumping like at oh. the guy who's literally clocking in and clocking out right right but that is what it is they're a necessary part of the ecosystem too right so it's not like they're doing anything wrong just understand your ceiling is reduced your path to scaling isn't nearly as clear as somebody who's more well-rounded right okay. just like if that. you're if you're on pursuit to find a girlfriend and it's all about going to parties right, right putting yourself in social settings, but you're shy, you're introverted and you don't dance or, or like you don't approach whatever, right? Yeah. Your, your ceiling is quite lower. Yeah. You're not pulling the 10. Yeah. You're not pulling the, the gregarious, gorgeous blonde who's working the room and speaking to everybody. You know, you're finding somebody who's your, your counterpart. counterpart. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Right. You're, you're, you're seeing the other shy girl who's a little bit less courageous than you. And, you know, you may offer a drink, whatever. In the Maybe case. she's created somewhere hey, else, Burke. I don't know. Whatever. Happily ever after, that's <laughs> yeah. fine. Just recognize the expectation. Right. right your right, expectation exactly. is you can't go there looking to pull tens. Yeah. Because you're just going to be disappointed. It's just like you're probably not going to rise to high stakes. Right. You're not, you're not swagged out. You're not swagged out. Sure. Um, so, you know, that, but, but that's fine. Everybody plays their role. Secondarily, like there are the people who only focus on the social skills, right? right? The people who are great 
at networking, the people mm -hmm. who are great at chumming it up with VIPs, the people who, in my opinion, go too far. Yeah. Where, you know, they are being disingenuously friendly yeah. to somebody that they're only trying to fleece. fleece because they don't have a win rate otherwise. Yes, that right? happens. Yeah. Like I'm going to get a bunch of these guys in a room together and my win rate's going to go from one big blind per hour to, infinite. to 10 or yeah. 15 and we're going to play bigger. Right. So now I'm going to make even more money. So like, I think that those guys are not great actors either. But again, there's an absolute place for them in the ecosystem. They're doing a lot of the grunt work socially that a lot of these other guys are aren't. not doing. And now these two kind of meet together and create like a full player because now this super social person who isn't all that great at poker needs to fill out his lineup with some people who aren't too threatening and he could potentially make money off of also by pieces or mm -hmm. staking or whatever the case may be. So you get the chiseler, you get a couple guys who are going to clock in and clock out for you and you offer them a chance to increase their win rate right. through these good spots, right? The guy who ultimately succeeds is the one who can navigate all of these worlds pretty fluidly, right? right. It's the one who recognizes how big of a win rate he per currently has in the environment that he's in and how much of it he can sacrifice or give back to the collective in order to further propel himself with opportunity moving forward. Yeah. And I think that that is a very unique skill set. I think only a handful of people put it in high regard, but almost all of them are truly successful. I don't know too many people who are decent at poker and take a, a, a sort of like, I don't want to say socialistic point of view, but it is like a little bit of, uh, I'm not going to try to, it, it's, it's not, it's not going to be it's all not for free myself. market capitalism, right? right? It's not all just fullest, me, right? me, me. Yeah. It's not, I'm going to try to maximize my earn in the short run. It's more so like, I'm going to allow myself to cap my earn in the short run in order to hopefully maximize or at least scale my earn in the long run. Yeah. I don't think that's taught in, in poker period. Well, it's I, not, I, it and, might just be like our, like we're the first person to ever say that. It's, it's a social thing, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, this all boils back down to a social structure. So what I'm just talking about are three different personality types. Yeah. Right. One bordering on sociopathic, because all they care about is bottom line. Yes. And they'll literally do anything. And that's where we see our cheaters from, right? The guys who are willing to to not just step out of gray territory in order just to maximize, go. Yeah. but go into like black territory in order to maximize. And like there's a spectrum of that, right? So how far one's willing to bend or compromise their their morals and ethics is just a matter of like how much they want to increase their bottom line kind of thing, yeah. right? And then we see this other personality type that's like, reserved to themselves, uh, really only looking out for number one, but doing so at the the risk. Zero of, action, zero smiling, yeah. zero laughing, zero jokes. Zero but they're also doing it at the risk of uh, keeping their head above water, right? Because right. that, that character makes up a large chunk of the middle. The small losers, oh, break even, small winning It's so players. many of them. Because yeah. like, I, I genuinely... Like I speak to them because they they respect me and I respect their game. Like I like they're not bad players, you know. If they're winning, they're working harder on the game right, because right. that's the only thing that they have a focus on. Right, and and I'm just like, yo, like sometimes I just ask them, like, why don't you talk? Like you see, like me and you are polar opposites at, at the table. Like not not me and you, but me and them. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, yo, like why don't you like this person's talking to us? Like like let's talk to them. Like like whatever. Like we'll have fun. Like you make more if they stick around. You know what I'm saying? Like. And they're there for entertainment. Like they blatantly say, it. like, like yeah. I'm not here to win. I'm here to have fun. Like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm me too. Like, whatever, let's go. And then, 
but they're like they literally write back and they're saying i can't think of like three things at the same time i yeah. can't i can't like figure out what my bet size is and talk right and i'm just like work on it. Like, what is wrong yeah. with you like like no and to be fair like that that's that's reasonable it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people it's it, uh, it may come a little bit more naturally to me than others just because i grew up in a different era yeah but even still i have to work on it right i have to know where i'm comfortable like i have to know the pockets by which i can manipulate the environment through uh conversation or through action or through gestures or whatever the case may be and i'm never doing it in a malicious intent it's always genuine mm. right if mm. i'm joking it's because I'm genuinely having a good time with the people around me. If I'm being snarky, but a little bit self-deprecating, it's probably because I'm in a bit of a mood, mm. but you know, people enjoy my pain. That's why the self-deprecation gets layered on top rather than throwing the snark at somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And that's the difference. I've seen that, that guy who's just chiseling. Whenever something bad happens to him, the snark just gets thrown right to the person who is the the person who yeah, did it yeah and it's like you just have to shift the snark onto yourself right you can be annoyed and stew outwardly people love that yeah people love that especially from a winning player it's great to see him wounded right but you can't do it in such a way where they feel bad attacked or they feel attacked yeah, yeah, yeah. or they feel like you know you uh are putting them on their defense whatever the case may be. like you don't ever want to put somebody into fight or flight mm. in a situation where there's no hands being dealt yeah man I feel like I'm gonna teach a little webinar at the Bellagio with all these fucking regs. Just thing is, I used to be one of them, so I I know them. Like I, I respect it because it was like, yo, I was there. Like I know I, I it's annoying. Like you want to win, you want to win. Like you just want to win so bad because like there's these fucking 22 year old kids just like chomping at you, ready to take you down. There's people in the YouTube comments say you suck, <laughs> and you're just like sitting there. You want to win every day. You show up, and I get it. I get it. I understand. I respect them. But now I'm like old. I feel like I'm the old one. Like, I'm like, bro, you got to chill. Well, the irony is like that the bet size, like you're, it's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, the, like the, the irony is, is that the control behind winning or losing is simply how much EV you gain or lose on top of the default decisions that you're going to make. Mm. Right, so, so the only control we have over over whether or not we book a W, is the manipulation of the environment. Yes. Right. Yes, yeah, true. Our execution is going to be within one or two standard deviations, depending on how well we're playing, of what our expectation was that day. And variance is largely just going to dictate whether or not we win or lose. Yeah. Right. The hands are going to play the way the hands play, and sure, we're not going to play anywhere near perfectly, of course, but we're going to be pretty consistent with the buttons that we click mm -hmm. and whatever the ev is attributed to those buttons that we click that's going to be pretty close within a couple standard deviations of what our return is that day and sometimes you just get dealt a loser sometimes you get dealt a winning day in spite of yourself whatever the case may be however where the control actually comes in is being able to manipulate or or make your environment malleable in such a way that on a day where you were supposed to break even you want 400 big blinds because you talk somebody into a call or a fold or you you found yourself in a gambly spot from a person who didn't show up with the intention to gamble. Mm. But something happened, something triggered inside of them, largely because you or someone else in the environment caused it. And from that point forward, it was on. Yep. That's right? what I do for them. 
That's what they don't appreciate in me, Burke. Sure. I bring this environment and then they go home and then they tell people they're good. But but this is why I'm saying that you don't bring it for them. I bring, I bring it for them. But you don't because their line is still just going to return the EV that was expected from it. They're not doing anything to capitalize on what you're offering, right? Their range didn't open up 10%. No. Because this guy is ready to pop off. Yeah. So they don't get the VPIP the extra 10%. So yeah. therefore, they don't increase their EV by that extra nominal amount. But that Ace King that they open that they usually makes one big blind now is making like five. Maybe, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I mean, that, I think that those all-in pre-spots are, are pretty rare. Yeah. And it's also not making that much more. Like the fact that the guy gets in with Queen Jack uh, when when your boy has Ace King or whatever, it's like, yeah, sure, fine. But like the range of hands that gets it in when he's playing badly versus the range of hands that gets it in when he's playing good it's only a few percentage <laughs> It's only points. a few percent. You're right, you're right. Yeah, it's like, okay, so like, you know, he's he's like 43% instead of 48%. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, okay, you're right. He's making a little bit more money, but like it's a blind or two. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I just want them to live their life happy, you know? Well, you All just right. want them to lose every time they sit. I want I want the regs. Then you to- don't have a game. Yeah, you're right, you're right. I, sometimes I feel happy for them too. I mean, I can't win at all. Never if they... Beat the soft player. Yeah, no, no. I, the only I, time you feel happy for a reg winning <laughs> is when he beats a reg that you hate more. Yes, that's true. Like when he beats a reg that's more egregious in the chiseling, you're like, yes. Yes, especially if he's like 100 big blind buying reg. Like, yeah. <laughs> get that guy out of here. Yeah. Send him home. Okay, so talking about lineups and stuff like that, um, high stakes poker is supposed to come back. Right? Sure. This will be our our final topic for the day. I High stakes poker is going to come back. There is anticipation now that COVID's kind of dying down it seems like poker goes gearing up again the duel has been a success it seems um between antonio spendiari and phil helmuth if you guys haven't checked that out check it out um and now the the buzz is like high stakes poker what's gonna happen what like what it is what lineups what different things from the old high stakes poker you want to see what same things you want to see like what do you expect i don't expect it to be in poker go studio like in the same table with like as everybody as everything i mean they else. have the ability to change the set yeah, but we, the set's still the same we know what the set looks like right like kind of i feel they like they build that studio to not film there i understand but okay so how i remember high stakes poker right it's like it, it had the look that it was like in a mansion like yeah, in yeah. like a house like it didn't have the look that it was in the poker go studio Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but that's the problem. So uh, this is the problem with these reboots is that everybody has the expectation of regenerating what we saw in the past. It's over, man. It's over. But I say it's poker, man. It's over. They're, they're not going to pay thousands of dollars an hour for players. They're not going to get millions of dollars in strapped cash on the table. They need that. They're not going to find another Farha or Benjamin or Gus Hansen or... Any of these guys to come out of the woodwork and just like play a non-game theory approach, the stakes are just too high, right? So it's just like, I'm sorry, it's different. Like in my opinion, what it should be is it, it should be in some way, shape or form an illustration of the absolute best talent that we have out there to offer. But then what is what is Poker After Dark then? The opposite. It's the one where we invite the Rex. It's, it's the Bob Bright show. It's the... Um, 
I always felt like Bill Poker Klein After show. Dark was like the showcase of like the top talent because it was always Ivy, Antonio's, uh, Antonius, and Dwan like battling every night Poker After Dark, and then they threw in Phil Hummings and like yeah, and then like High Stakes Poker was like Gee and and Sammy and you know what I'm saying like like High Stakes Poker was like it was just different. It was a lot of like it was like this doctor but it was also like the first time we've seen it like the only way that you could replicate that is if somehow you could convince six non-pros to sit down and play like 2k 4k yeah it just can't be that big anymore right Right. like it just can't be five hundred thousand. all right it has in my opinion it has to almost be bigger like we've seen we look do you remember keating's game alex keating yeah yes it was him and five wrecks and Rob Young, Rob I mean, Young's I, yeah, I guess I'm counting yeah. Rob as as uh, a yeah. wreck in this instance. But yeah, it was like five Silicon Valley type, and they're playing 200, 400, and they're six figures deep, effective, all of them. Mm-hmm. That game was not memorable outside of Rob just gambling with, uh, with Keating. Keating in one hand. Yeah, I don't remember a thing about it. That's true, right? Because you know the fact of the matter is, Gee's special. He's loose. Sammy was loose. David Benjamin was loose, mm-hmm. right? You're going to see a lot more of Antonius's, which he wasn't exactly a fan favorite. He was a nit. He was a woman favorite. Yeah, exactly. Good looking <laughs> nit. Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, I, I don't see, I don't see, we just hang on to nostalgia so much in this community and it's a shame because it doesn't allow us a way forward. Nobody's innovating and it's a tragedy, right? Like at some point we need to get to the, the agreement that some larger entities than these singular focused media companies need to step in and sportify poker the way that other uh, industries have been taken over, right? So if you could take the collective top 100 or 200 best players in the world, and, and this already happened in the high roller circuit for what it's worth, and you just remove them from open gameplay, the high rollers don't play open anymore. No. They only play high rollers, right? right? So we've already seen this isolation begin to take place. If we could league, if we could make that a league now in some way, shape, or form, and we can make it in a way where those players don't have to be at risk, they're just literally playing for a salary yeah. and some share of the prize pool, similar to golf, everything would change. These shows would all collectively change because you don't need the loose money anymore right it's just pitting the best of the best against one another and bringing home and trophies for who's your, the best yeah so it's like you know i kind of made this uh argument on on the orbit where if casinos wanted to step in and do this they're the only entities large enough right so if mgm wanted to have a pro team and sands wanted to have a pro team and um you know maybe poker stars wanted to have a pro mm-hmm. team and party poker wants to have a pro team, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you could literally just build tiers where, you know, you effectively make it such that whoever you sign to those tiers, they're contracted. They're never at risk. They're playing for a salary and some percentage of prize pools at any given time. Uh, you know, you could make it such that obviously the entities that are are signing them have, uh, you would have to make it such that the entities that are signing them have means to an end like like have a means to collect profit Mm. but all of that comes through tv rights right right? so it's like figure out the tv side and build the product around it and i i think it's completely viable 
Makes sense. It just takes a lot of moving parts. It takes a lot of collaboration and uh, almost collusion amongst the very wealthy individuals. Yeah. And, uh, and, and players that want to do it. Yeah. Then it just takes enough incentive on the player side right. where it's like, okay, we're going to pay you enough where you're never going to want to play an open game again if you're a high roller. Yes. And if you're a mid-tier guy, it's like, okay, we're going to pay you enough where you're never going to want to play an open game below those stakes again. Mm-hmm. We'll let you play open these stakes and higher. Right. Right. That's fine. But like you just can't play an open game if you're signed at the the five ten ten twenty and uh, let's say you know five hundred through two k level in tournaments whatever you just can't play those outside, stakes yeah outside or, or sorry you can't play smaller than that outside outside yeah right so what do we expect then Burke like what are you seeing like they're, I expected they're, to just be poker poker after dark just another version yeah just different name. I mean maybe maybe this is the higher stake game and poker after dark goes to smaller stakes that would make a lot of sense to me but what how much lower like 2550 so 2550 for poker after dark and then like 100 200 maybe 24 plus that's big that's not that big I mean they've been running those games forever on poker after dark yeah but it seems like it was the same nothing part. will change it's gonna be the same lineups right, right that's what I'm saying it seems like it was the same people it was like you G-Man. The only way to get new faces in there is to allow extremely talented players who offer really nothing other than their chops Mm. to the game. And if you're going to do that, who's going to be the sacrificial lambs? That's the thing. Like, it's hard to develop games, right? Because, like, you know, people, I don't know if the people know this, like, it's not easy. Like, for example, like, as a fan, right, poker fan outside. They're excited when it's you, G-Man, Jungle Man, Linus. Like, they just, like, pin all you guys into a cage match. And whoever wins, they get to talk about it tomorrow at work. Where they're like, oh, did you see the game yesterday with Berkey versus G-Man? And they were, like, playing this big pot and whatever. But, like, as a pro, you're not, like, you get the text message. And you're like, oh, what's the lineup? And you get this, like, 17 killers, you know? And you're just like... All right. Like then all of a sudden your brain starts thinking like, why am I doing poker go this favor? Like, like, oh, you know what I'm saying? A hundred percent. Cause at the end of the day, what's the point of being the sixth best player in the world if you're competing against the other five? Exactly. Right. And if that's, if that's the, the narrative that's being laid, some incentive has to be kicked back and that's just not going to happen. We're not going to see players start getting paid their hourly to show up. Mm-hmm. Right. And therefore, they're just taking on exorbitant risk for no good reason. Right. Right. Even if you're, even if you're technically the sixth best player in the world, but you think you're the fifth or fourth, and you're still being presented a lineup where it's the top six players in the world, there is absolutely no reason to want to play that game. Right. You know that sucks. It's incentive, I guess, to learn so that you can yeah, potentially be the best player in the world but at nosebleeds like you know right in that's front of all the eyes like, right. it's like and yeah and that's the other big issue it's not just that you're playing a really tough lineup versus stiff competition at a state level where you know you're financially at risk and you probably have others at financially risk with you mm. on top of all that every hand's revealed right so you're giving away strategy you're giving away you know potential holes in your game uh you're exchanging all of this otherwise unknown information amongst now a collective group of the best right that's the problem like it's this juggling act i I feel as if like poker go should just say like okay like for the killer lineups they just just pay like just pay right yeah what's the problem i I, I just don't think that they will 
like that Doug Polk week with you, or was it Jungle Man week Jungle or Man something? Week. Like, yeah. like it was just insane. Like it's like okay, like I was rooting for you, obviously, but it's like I'm not like you're not excited to like sign up for this game you know like you're gonna play because you think you you know at the time you were saying like i'm not turning down any lineup or whatever and people were like kind of holding you to it but at the same time it's like you're not sitting there like fist pumping like oh, i can't wait to hit to hit go play a poker go with fucking jungle man you know yeah i I mean in some regard i kind of was because i felt like i had a lot more experience live with uh at least half of the table um but yeah it's like you know at the end of the day you're not earning much Mm. right like if I'm wrong, I'm losing a few big blinds per hour. If and I'm if you're right, right, you're winning. I'm winning a few big blinds per right, hour. Right. So it's like you know, uh, I may be winning or losing two k an hour, uh, and that's that's tough. So it's like, is Poker Go really gonna start giving fifteen k per player? It'd be nice. Right. I don't see it happening. Um. You know, I, I just don't see that being a part of the budget. If it is, then you're already getting your toes wet in the idea that I was previously speaking of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right if it's going to cost you a hundred thousand to run a six max every single time you run it wouldn't it just be easier to get 25 players under contract right and yeah. and just have them at your disposal all year long now getting 25 players under contract might cost you you know seven to ten million might cost you 15 million depending on like how big you're going and like what stakes they're running do you think there's enough aura in television poker that is just they don't need to do this stuff? Like it's just they're just gonna find enough people that are just gonna want to play on TV. No, because it's uh, you know no offense, but it's not TV. It's the internet, mm-hmm. right? You're just playing a live stream game, yeah. and I don't think people discern all that much between playing at Poker Go Studio, playing it live at the Bike Studio, or playing at Solve for Why. Like I think that a broadcast that reaches X amount of viewers. Or TCH Live or, or whatever. Like, I, I think for most, uh, just having the opportunity to be seen and watched, like it's a sporting event, is enough. Is, is enough. And uh, there are just aren't that many people who want to play nosebleeds, especially it's, under a watchful eye. It's there the, are a lot of really great, great players, a la Guy Liberté, that have come through Ivy's room that would never play in Poker Go. Why do you think that is? Because they're like super wealthy business owners or CEOs want, or whatever, yeah. and they don't want the scrutiny. Yeah, yeah. They just want to lose their million behind closed doors in peace. Yeah, or they just like they just don't want to be on TV. Like they know they don't. Maybe they live a lifestyle that they like to gamble in private. You know, a hundred percent. It's you have to remember, like depending upon what their business is, it's not exactly a great look. Right. So so many of them won't play tournaments. Right. Some of it's because of the time constraint. And the fact that they don't want to do something for multiple days. But a lot of it is just like, I don't want traceable records mm-hmm. of like what I'm doing. I don't want people to see that I bought into a million dollar tournament whenever I'm paying them 30000 a year. Yeah. And they don't want their wife to know. That too. Paying her 30000 a year too. <laughs> I'm just saying. They stake me in the million dollar tournament. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll got you, man. Something to do. You know? Um, okay. So, yeah. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Because I, I am very curious how it's gonna like high stakes poker and poker after dark were different shows on different channels with similar players crossover but definitely a different pulse to the game yeah um i i don't think this is a matter of product i think this is just a matter of poker go vacuuming up licenses mm-hmm. so that other people can't 
make these products. So they have all the rights now to the past shows. That's great for them. They have a full back catalog. That's awesome for them. People get to watch. And now, you know, you just reboot the show as you reboot it. Maybe they have a, maybe they have the ability to get it back on TV. Yeah. In which case that'll be the differentiating factor between high stakes and, and poker after dark. Um, but I don't think that there's like an active thought or, or marketing attempt to make it significantly different. I hope you're wrong, but I feel like history has told us that you're probably not. Hmm. So in this exact instance, Burke, in this exact instance, not the history of the podcast, not the history of poker all in all itself or the history of the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed this show. I had a lot of fun. I feel like uh, I'm excited to be back. I know I said that last week, but I feel like this is the rightful place in the universe where I belong and Berkey has to listen to me talk crazy for an hour every week, which is kind of fun, man. It's kind of fun. I got to say, it's like, you don't know what I'm going to say. And that excites me in a way. Like It's like kind of crazy. This is why we can't do this live anymore. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. I had a bunch of notes. We didn't even talk about half the stuff. There's like, should I talk about half the stuff here? I had an overbetting webinar this week. It went really well. That's good. Um, it got a lot of positive feedback. If you all haven't watched it, it's on the Solve for Y TV website. Nine ninety nine. It's it's like, bro. What I gave away in this podcast. Sorry, also in this podcast. But if what I gave away in this webinar, it's criminal that I gave it away for ten dollars. Hmm. It's a fucking criminal. Like if you guys go to Bellagio right now and use this against me, I'm gonna punch you in the fucking mouth. <laughs> and then I want to say, give me give me ten dollars personally, okay? Right. Give the company ten, but give me ten too. Mm-hmm. Shit, Damn. tracking like the range is like, come on, man. No more time. When are we going out? When are we? When are we? When are we put making the price higher? Next year, man. Next year. Good. It's three months. We got a lot of work to do. A lot of work. One hundred and forty-nine dollars and ninety-nine cents. All right. Let us know what you thought about this podcast, webinar, podcast, vlogcast. We have everything. It's kind of all wrapped into one. <laughs> all right. I'll, let us know what you thought about this vlogcast. Leave a comment below. Subscribe. Tell your friends. I am tired of seeing these people with 100,000 views that don't know jack shit about poker. I said it. Wow. Bang, bang. I said it. Don't ask me who because it might be your favorite. <laughs> and then you're not going to like me so much. But then I'll be your favorite. Because we're the realest fucking podcast. What was that podcast you went on? The Orbit? Shout out to The Orbit. But they're not the realest fucking podcast. This is the realest fucking podcast. Subscribe. Tell your friends. And with that said, I hope you enjoyed the show.